for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Season's greetings! Merry Christmas! Happy Holidays! Happy Hanukkah! Merry Kwanzaa! Most of all, Happy Festivus and Mecca like a high, Mecca hiney ho! Mecca like a chai, Mecca chiney ho! Remember what that's from? I'll give you five seconds. Come on, podcast listener. If you're about my age or Matt Zimmer's, late 30s, early 40s, creeping into mid-40s, you'll know it. Pee-wee's Funhouse, Saturday mornings. You had your awesome cartoons, and then you got Pee-wee F. and Herman before the whole, you know, thing in the theater. Uh, it was it was, uh, it was was a wonderful way to spend as a kid. A lot of really stoned and drunk and on acid and LSD creators of all those cartoons and all those shows like Pee-wee's Funhouse. And uh, Matt and I are not, were not uh, on LSD or THC. As far as I know, I wasn't. I don't know about Matt and Jen, but we were at the Gateway Lounge on a Tuesday afternoon just before the big holiday break for everyone. And, uh, yeah, I am in post-production now to start the show because uh, we I had problems with my... Recorder and editor and mixer and all that, and you don't really care. And we, we were able to get most of this, and so we started our conversation, obviously, with South Dakota State's loss at Montana State in Bozeman in what was an incredible scenic backdrop for college football, a whale of a game until halftime when the Jacks uh, stopped scoring. They didn't score at all in the second half. Of course, Matt Zimmer drove all the way out to Montana with his with his friend Ann. 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 That's my dad's friend. See, I get, I get, I get friends mixed up when you don't know what to call or label the, the partner. Jen, Matt's partner, Jen. That's it. They went out to Bozeman, Montana together, 11 hour drive. Uh, he, or 12. He said it was only nine or 10. It'd be fine. Uh, 12 was a little too much, but it was worth it when they got there. Cool college town, awesome restaurants, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, the Jacks lost. The Jacks uh, blew another chance to go to the national title game. That is three semifinal losses in their four semifinal appearances in the last five years. So once again, on greatness's doorstep, but unable to unable to walk through the door. And so we pick up our conversation very early in this recording of Nobody's Listening Anyway at the Gateway Lounge. With uh, Matt talking about the the final result and the fact that he will not get to go cover a national title game in Frisco against the Bison in January. You know, I don't want to say rooting for them because despite what people down in Vermillion think, I don't root for the Jacks. But, um, you know, you get very close to a team as I am with these guys and, you know, you want to um, see them have success, I guess, and... uh, you know, I obviously it's good for the state of South Dakota when one of our teams does something like that. So yeah, there was a little part of me that was hoping to see us, as in the state of South Dakota, in a national championship again. And after everything they did in the spring, it's been a hell of a story following them all this long. And, and there's a part of it too that's like, well, hell, we've gone this far, right? You know, you might as well. That was your attitude about Bozeman. One. And yeah. it seems like, by the way, there's so many Jacks issues to get into with Eck taking the job at Idaho and how this game unfolded and what's next and was this a successful season? Blah blah blah. Uh, did perhaps they? pull the trigger too early on Stiglmeyer's deal. All that's to be on the table here. 
But it did appear uh, on, on top of everything else like that was a cool-ass road trip. Like that was a cool place to go, period, and to cover a game. Yeah, we had a blast. Uh, I pretty early in the week decided I did not want to fly. I was just sick of flying. My trip to Philadelphia was kind of a shit show. So it was like, okay, 12 hours in the car doesn't necessarily sound awesome, especially in December. But half the time you're spending 12 hours traveling too, just between sitting in airports and, you know, layovers and everything. Yep. And I was like, if I'm going to spend 12 hours traveling, I want to be the one, you know, I want to be the pilot. And so uh, we did that and it was, you know, Jen and I got to spend a lot of time in the car together, which went well, no fights the entire time, right? <laughs> Jen is here. She can speak for herself. Um, but uh, <laughs> she, she, maybe she doesn't want to on this it, topic. But it was beautiful, and uh, which you know, I had been to Montana several times. I don't think Jen had ever been to Montana, so um, I knew it would be fun. I, I, I kind of had been pulling her a little bit, like you should come on, we should go and. We had a great time, and the game itself, yeah, the, the environment was outstanding. It was a sellout crowd. That stadium's awesome right down in the mountains. Jen was down in the field shooting photos for us, and, you know, I was kind of telling her, like, hey, you know, it's going to be really cold, and you're going to be on your feet a lot, and kind of trying to prepare for it. It might suck, you know, and she was like, no, it was fun. I had a blast. You know, she kind of, like, made it sound like the three hours zipped by for her. So, um, and, and not only that, at least for the first three quarters it was an outstanding football game too it was the jacks kind of fell apart at the end and, and montana pulled away and ended up winning pretty convincingly but you know 17 17 at halftime oh it was a hell of a game it, yeah it was yeah. a hell of a game up until then yeah jen your your thoughts your own experiences because i was watching the cspn broadcast and they did a great job of highlighting how beautiful the backdrop of this stadium was uh, i saw tweets from you know national sports types who obviously had nothing better to do and there was no other college football to watch and they were like holy shit montana state that looks that looks awesome and yeah, we had you no got idea. these mountains have been here this whole time yeah <laughs> and and you got to be on the field this whole time they were giving they had a i'm sure you saw her they had uh you know they had your they they had their sideline reporter. She was young and mm -hmm. attractive and uh, and very perky and very good at what she was I doing. Over her cord several times. And yep. and, and they kept the the announcers, the male, you know, kind of our age-ish announcers, kept for some reason before she even said anything, kept giving her crap like she was too cold or complaining about the cold and oh, hating really? it and oh yeah I never and, heard that and so she must have been complaining about it before they went on the air but when she was on the air she did her job and then she kind of acted appalled that they were saying that she was in misery because they were and she was also saying it's really not that cold anyway yeah it wasn't it was because uh, it wasn't windy right no it wasn't it was chilly when I first got down onto the field I definitely I think I kept my gloves on the first half of the game um, I forgot them up in the press box actually at halftime so I didn't have them but I was fine I didn't have yeah. to go back up and get them it wasn't blisteringly cold I think I shed a layer or two at halftime actually plus you're running around so much and uh i mean the ball moved a lot so you were there was a lot of movement around there and it was single file behind the team bench um so there was a lot of hustling back and forth so i i, I didn't find it that cold at all uh speed of the game and just like you were mentioning how the, cr the crowd noise went in and out like what were your most uh vivid takeaways from that whole experience i think the first uh the first thing that was most stark to me was uh and having never ever been on the sidelines of a, a major game any game let alone a major one like this before was uh it was just like the bottom dropped out of that stadium when sdsu got the ball the first time and was going for it i i thought that something bad had happened i actually like, like someone stopped died. snapping photos for a second and i was like what the what's going on oh they're they just stopped cheering that's all like it wasn't you know there was no booing there was no they just it got silent yeah. comparative to 
to what it had been prior and it was it was eerie almost and it took me a second to realize like oh SDSU has the ball like that's what's happening <laughs> seemed like a good rowdy crowd they, I mean, they were playing in their first home semifinal game to go to the title game in 37 years so it's literally their biggest game in like four decades right were they I, I thought at one point I heard through the ESPN mics like they were yelling fuck the rabbits let's go state or bobcats or, I didn't hear that were, were they an unruly crowd there's one lady that flipped you that that you, you got flipping off the jackrabbits I, as they I ran did. off the field I did I didn't even see that um at the time I found it in my photos later but it was it was really classless that one moment was honestly it was as the guys were walking off the field and it was the first bunch of them coming yeah. off and they they're all they're looking very like downtrodden yeah. and understandably heartbroken and I yeah that was quite tasteless but I I didn't hear anything like that personally um I grabbed a couple of photos of some you know the, your usual college antics signs there was a what did those ones say there was the um rabbit season, rabbit season and you know oh, whatever but it was harsh. all I I personally did not hear anything okay. tasteless and disgusting and to be fair I mean <clears throat> it was part of the reason that photo you found was so funny is because she found it literally seconds after West Janant and Logan Backus had said in the postgame press conference how classy the Montana State fans ah. were and how what, what a great time they had and how a lot of fans came up to them personally after the game to say, hey, congrats on a great run, everything like that. And both of those things can be true. I mean, it's funny that Jen captured that moment and that woman who was doing that is obviously an asswipe, but every fan base has, you know, people yeah. that get, have too much to drink and act like a jerk. It doesn't mean... I don't think any of us are really trying to imply that that means Montana State has a classless fan base by any means. Hey, before I get to anything else, before I forget... Uh, I tweeted this on Friday night after watching uh, North Dakota State beat James Madison in what was a very good, almost great college football game. Um, and I know you've covered the Jackrabbits uh, in their semifinal win in Brookings a while back. Well, last May. The song that they play, the uh, that if you don't, if you want to play in Texas, and that's a, yeah. You mentioned it in your story. The it's it's by Alabama. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, it's I I don't know why. I just don't. I, I don't love that song, and I, I think there's better songs that could be used to celebrate. I get it's Texas-themed, and you're going to Texas. Mm -hmm. And so I had an argument with one other member of the sports media here who, I, you know, who, he's the one that wanted to fight back and argue about how appropriate or great of a song this is for that moment. And um, I'm, I'm always curious on your music takes. I just... And, and, and by the way, I, I was half joking. I just said, you might as well do Bowling for Soups, Ohio, which is, you know, the, the, the chorus is come back to Texas. And at least that's peppy and upbeat. No one, one has an idea what song that is, but yeah, continue. I, I, <laughs> thank you, Jen. Yeah, it was a big song in like 2004. But anyway, uh, what do you think of that song as being um, used in that time? It, just, I, it has nothing to do with whether or not it's a good song or not. The thing for me is I kind of feel like that's the Bison's thing. Ooh. And the other schools are kind of stealing it from them and and normally I'm the one who you I did it in Montana right yes and see as far as I yeah. know and I could be wrong about this and if I am wrong then I retract but as far as I understand it NDSU kind of was the ones that decided to start doing that that they they were the ones who yeah. at some point were like hey we're going to Frisco to play for the championship and they start blaring the song over the speakers well obviously it's not like they wrote the song it's not like they have ownership over it or anything but when the Jacks clinched um, last spring, they played it too. And I was kind of, I remember thinking, I don't know if that's like, aren't you just kind of stealing their thing? But also part of me was like, I get it because the Jacks have lost in the semis to NDSU so many times that they've had to hear that song. Yeah. Like it almost felt like they were exercising some demons a little bit, you know, like they're like, okay, we're playing this song and this time it's us. We're the ones celebrating. So I kind of saw both sides in the spring feeling like, I feel like that's NDSU's thing, but I also get why you're doing it. 
And I was actually wondering during the game, I was like, Montana's not going to do that too, are they? Like, do they even know it's a thing? You know, because they haven't lost to North yeah. Dakota State in a semifinal. I was genuinely surprised when they played it. And I kind of thought, well, if this was NDSU's thing at some point, it's not anymore. I guess now this is just the thing that yeah. whoever wins the semifinals, they do it. So. Yeah, and I can't think of an actually better or more popular song as a solution to as a better song if you want to go Texas songs. Again, the Bowling for Soup song was kind of a joke. Uh, Stu Whitney joked. He, he he dove in and just and and presented George Strait's "All My Exes Live in Texas," which I <laughs> which I enjoyed. But I just think it's just kind of like it, it doesn't quite to seem to be peppy enough or celebratory enough. And it's 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 a, it's rednecky. But I get this. These are rural it's kind of. Supposed kind of to be. It's kind of supposed to yeah. be, and the, this is the population You're base that Texas. loves it that. Should be a country song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. That's fine. And somebody said, well. But they well the fans seem to love it I'm like yeah they're loving the fact that they're going to the national title game it's like whatever song they would play they'd be happy to be reveling in so anyway Jen your thoughts on this song they're also drunk and their team just it, won. yeah I don't that's I don't know my if I point love the song whatever they're... so um, we move on all right so was this more of Montana State winning or the Jacks losing it was more Montana State winning they were really good uh, their defense pretty much shut down the well entirely shut them down in the second half. Isaiah Davis didn't do anything. Pierre Strong had the big touchdown run, but other than that, didn't do a lot. Uh, Chris Oladokun had a pretty good game, not a great game. He threw a clutch interception. Uh, the Jacks dropped some passes that affected things. Uh, I thought SDSU should have kicked the field goal on their opening drive. They go right down the field, have a fourth and one at the seven-yard line or whatever. I get why you go for it. You have one of the best offensive lines in the country and two great running backs just saying, we can't get one yard. Well, you need point. you're on the road in a very hostile environment, 20,000 fans, take the three points and get the lead. Especially, the ball happened to be right in between the hashes. It was right, it was It was a free three points. Yeah. Take those three points, take the lead. I mean, I'm not saying that's like a, I'm not sitting here going, oh my God, that was really stupid, a stig, but I would have kicked the, po- the field goal there. And maybe if you take the three nothing lead there, maybe it's if things play out differently. I'm not saying they win the game, but it could have changed how, how yeah. things played out. Because in the and obviously it didn't make a big difference. They lost by 14. Right, right. But, um, you know, you can't <laughs> – again, Montana State's defense shut the Jacks out in the second half, and then their offense, I mean, it was just like, hey, we're going to run the ball with our quarterback on almost every single play. And the Jacks knew what was coming, and they just couldn't stop it. Well, it's not yeah. like they were using some sort of sleight of hand or they outcoached them. Was, as every SDSU fan out there, when the Jacks win, it's because their players are so great. And when the Jacks lose, it's because their coaches are so stupid. Um, but this was not some example of Montana State's coaches, you know, coming up with some elaborate game plan. They were like, hey, because their star running back, their Pierre Strong, Isaiah Infante, 1,500 rushing yards, did not play in the right. game. So when, when I found that out, I was like, oh, the Jacks are probably going to win if, if, if Montana State doesn't have yeah. their star yeah. running back. Well, they just said, okay. How are we going to win without Isaiah Infante? Have our running back or our quarterback run it forty times? And what did what position had he been playing? Was he their backup quarterback, or was he the guy that? Well, been he playing? had been the backup quarterback throughout the season. They had a senior, or at least an upperclassman. Uh, I think his name was Matthew McKay. Was the starter, and he had been the starter all season. Transfer. And to, I think he was a transfer. I, I'm not sure, but anyway, he had played okay throughout the year, but been getting progressively worse. And the last couple games of the regular season. He was really struggling, and it was kind of becoming a thing in the media. The Montana newspapers were like, what's the deal with the quarterback? And the coaches were getting really defensive about it. They were actually, like, no commenting on what was happening with the quarterback situation. Well, then the day after the regular season ends, when they find out they're the eighth seed in the playoffs, this McKay enters the transfer portal. 
and people are going, what the actual fuck? Your starting quarterback just entered the portal. It's like the season's not over yet. The playoffs are starting. He's like, bye. Well, we found out later he had been told, yeah, we're probably going to go with Tommy, the freshman, in the playoffs. So he had, had been benched essentially right before the playoffs. But still, just not even sticking around for it, saying goodbye, I'm leaving. You can about imagine how that was received by the public, you know, yeah. everything. And uh, so touchdown Tommy became the guy. Started throughout the playoffs, had a huge game in the semifinal or quarterfinals when they routed Sam Houston, the undefeated top seed. He had, you know, two touchdown passes, you know, great running quarterback, and you could see that Montana State was kind of rallying around this kid. They're like, "All right, fuck this McKay or whatever his name is. You know, oh, like, yeah. he's gonna bail on us. Cool. Yeah, this we, we'll be with play. Who wants to be it's here? It's a magical and, run. Yeah, I mean, it's and, just. Uh... And then he was outstanding against the Jacks. I mean, yeah. he isn't a great passer and uh his first few throws were actually really bad um but he got into a groove and started making some throws and once the jacks had to pay more attention to his running game then that just opened things up even more in the secondary and by the end of the season i think it's pretty clear the jacks secondary wasn't very good uh don gardner's great but he didn't have a very good game and he's the best of the bunch and so, so with don having not one of his best games that just made it that much worse for him, and they just couldn't stop him. I, I couldn't believe it. It's because uh, he, he's not that big of a kid. No, he's not that fast of a kid. Um, it's very he, Mark Gronowski-like. He, and he's not, you know, and he's not weak or slow uh, or or tiny. It's just like he's. It was just like what like the Jacks this, did with Gronowski yeah, in the spring. Like, like no one looked at Mark Gronowski and go, "Oh my God, he's so fast, or he's so yeah. athletic, or he's so big." He's just a good, savvy was, runner. So is his line, or was it just the player? The player was the show. A little bit of both. Okay. I mean, the, you know, Logan Backus said after the game, like, we missed too many tackles, um, made some mistakes. You know, there were some times where maybe they were in the wrong place. But for the most part, he was just like, he was really good, and he made the right reads, and he didn't make mistakes, and he beat us. All right. Mad Zimmer. Hey, uh, we're at the Gateway Lounge. We're uh, listening to some country tunes. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to that fiddle in the band uh, Texas song comes on while we're here. Uh, come on down to Gateway Lounge. We now have NFL games and a ton of bowl games every Saturday. And then, of course, the full NFL slate on Sundays. And it's just the best place in town, in my opinion, to come and watch a bunch of sports. A lot of places in town do it well, but the uh, setup, the wall of TVs, it's just TVs everywhere. That, to me, is, is what you need. It's gold uh, in a sports bar with a lot of different things going on, plus the friendly staff. Jen and I had the... Chicken taco salad today, and I, Jen, you can weigh in on that. It's not. It sounds like a simple thing to make, but it's made poorly sometimes by restaurants. And uh, they do it correctly here. Yeah, it's worth it. It is Good worth chicken. it. The chicken was uh, well. Out of ten, would do again. Well cooked yet moist. Blah blah blah. Uh, it was great. You had the chislick, and you and you love the chislick here. It was awesome. It is always. Yeah, that's what you say every time. Gateway Lounge, forty first and I twenty nine here in Sioux Falls. Okay. Um, but you're, it's interesting you bring up, uh, you brought up um, unprompted the initial decision for, I think it was the first drive of the game, right? To go to go for it. I didn't really have a problem with going for it because I am kind of like, you're on the road, it's the playoffs. Uh, this is probably going to be somewhat of a shootout. A lot of, they're going to score some points. I don't know what a good field goal is going to do for you. You miss it and they got to go 97 yards, which they did. They did and good for them. It was a big momentum swing. I thought it was a really impressive championship caliber, uh, kind of adult type of response by the Jacks to respond right after that. Right. They didn't get right. the time. I mean, they, I was like, they took a lead. Briefly. This is, yeah. this is what championship teams are made of. You didn't get that. Uh, you didn't get any points after driving all the way down there on your first drive. They responded and blitzed down the field and you came right back and punched them right back in the mouth. That was awesome. I didn't love the play call. 
Uh, and, you know, I don't love to play call armchair quarterback to death. We all know X and awesome offensive coordinator. Uh, but that's the chair you sit in, and it is made for big moments like that. And I just – because it was kind of like a wide run for the running Stig back, right? Stig made it right? sound like uh, a blocker may have missed an assignment. Okay, no. and that's fair. And if the blocker doesn't miss the assignment, and that's a first down, nobody questions the play call. I get it. It's not the worst play yeah, call Well, you, you were make. the one who said on Twitter, like, I miss when people go under center Ex- and sneak it. I like, do. Yeah, like, it's you inches. need one yard and you snap it's, it back six. It's less than a yard, so at least go under center. You know, point A to point B, how tough is this? Tom Brady is, is, not, is not huge, and he's not athletic, and yet – he can get the quarterback sneak every time, right. and you don't want to compare very much in football to Tom Brady. He's kind of an outlier with a lot of things, but it's how hard is that? And I don't get it. How to, and, and when teams say we only practice from the shotgun, uh, we don't practice, or we just don't, yeah, we don't practice. I'm like, a, how much practice does it take for your quarterback to take a direct snap and just take the ball and plunge inches, not even a yard? The other thing is, why don't you practice that? Right. It, if that's it, it, just like I, even if the defense knows it's coming. I, I, I don't I hate to sound like old school football whiner, but in that case it's just kinda like how why are we making this so hard by going from shotgun and handing it off know. and things that make it harder for you to get a yard. That's just kinda where the sport is today. Ten, twelve, thirteen years ago I was covering an Augie game where they were playing UND when UND was the ranked number two in the country and Augie stunk. And in the fourth quarter, the Vikings were down thirteen seven. They completed like a 50-yard Hail Mary, essentially, down inside the five-yard line. So it's like, holy shit, they're going to beat the number two team in the country. I'll never forget, Kevin Ludwig was Augie's SID at the time. He comes running over, who do you want for the press conference? Like, he was all excited. I was like, dude, they haven't won yet. Chill, okay? Uh-oh. On the next play, they go out of the shotgun. They ended up not scoring. They, I don't remember if they fumbled or they just went for it four times and didn't get it, but they lost 13-7. Yeah. to seven. Yeah. And I was like, see? I fucking told you. Shut up. Yeah. But anyway, uh, um. And after the game, Brad Salem was the coach. And I was like, why did you? Why are you going out of the shotgun? You, you got one yard to go, two yards to go, and you're snapping it back five or six yards. And Augie's offensive line wasn't very good. And I think that was sort of Brad's defense, basically, was like, we don't have that good of an offensive line. We're not going to push guys back. You know, we want some sort of deception or what. I, I don't know. But I just remember being like, well, okay, thank you for at least answering my question, but that still seems stupid. And the very next week, they had a fourth and one at, like, the 25-yard line. And guess what they did? They went under center, ran a sneak, and they got it. And I'm not at all suggesting that, you know, I had anything to do with that. But yeah, I was look just at you. Like, I was just kind of like, interesting that uh, that didn't work for you four times last week against North Dakota. And suddenly you put in decided to put in a new play. Influencing people. The thing I you. will say is – and. Most people don't understand this, and I uniquely do because I did play quarterback. That center quarterback exchange when you're not out of the shotgun, when you're under center, is a lot harder than it looks. Um, Depending on how big the quarterback's hands are, how big the center's ass is. I mean, you've really got to get your hands in there. And and if you're not doing it all the time, it's one thing back in the 70s when we ran every single play like that, you get this repetition of handing the ball back to the other guy. But if you're going out of the gun 90% of the time, and then all of a sudden you got to stick your hand, because you do have to literally jam your hands under that man's testicles, and then he (laughs) snaps the ball back to you. Like It's a lot more difficult than it looks. And if that's true, that if you don't practice it enough or have enough, you know, you're risking yeah. fumbling the exchange then you don't even get the playoff right you know it, it, it yeah but just 
just practice that for short yardage situations. I agree. It's, I agree. I'm just, just saying it's harder than. Yeah, than, I, I and I appreciate that, and I understand, and, I, and and so I totally get why they they don't do it. It's just it's just something they should do in practice. And and by the way, and I'd love to sit down with Jason Eck and talk about all these kind of things. It'd be great to go through play by play by play this year that were his masterpieces and the ones that uh, were were duds or flubs and uh, mm-hmm. get the get the explanation behind them so we could have a better perspective for our own opinions but um yeah and and go and if if it's the quarterback's not going to keep it then go under center and hand it off to the running back you're still making it a little easier to get that yard when there's just less space in between you and the yard but anyway that's one play uh we had to change batteries on the recorder here a little intermission about midway through the podcast anyway we've gone and, and while we were changing batteries we went back into the discussion zim thinks i'm basically making fun of um of, of people in this part of the country who uh, love their country music with the Alabama, not loving the Alabama song. And I get it. I get where you're coming from. It's fine. <laughs> okay, that's that's it then. <laughs> nothing, else, nothing else to say. I like Alabama. I, I, that's, song of the South. Yeah. Cheap seats. So, you're right. And by the way, if I were there and I were I were a fan of uh, if my team did something like that, if Nebraska actually you like won the Big Ten West and just made it to the Big Ten fucking championship game, and that song played for some reason because they moved the or if they were in the Big Twelve and they had that game in if they used to play that when we knew we were going to Dallas to play for the Big Twelve championship, probably would be so happy they won the damn game. I'd I'd probably really enjoy that. So it'd be upbeat and uh, contemporary see, enough for me to like it. I see a photo it. of uh, a couple NDSU players dancing on the Fargo Dome turf afterwards with one of them was wearing a cowboy hat yeah i was like all right that's a little much yeah someone brought a cowboy hat down onto the sidelines so you could wear it after the game like <laughs> yes. enough yeah we're in a fiddle texas not that many people yeah. are actually wearing cowboy hats. they're in a good celebratory yeah. mood i get it whatever i'm a i'm a big snob okay fine uh Color me a snob. It, also, John has a Pink Floyd T-shirt that he wears in public. So no, he really that was well. First of all, what's wrong with Pink Floyd? They're terrible. Okay, that's very subjective. I don't think you want to get into things you've been seen wearing in public, Zimmer. I don't. I don't think that's. God, thank you God you're here. Uh, thank God you're here, Jen. Thank you very much for stepping in on that one. What? What? You could expound on that if you'd like. You know what? I'm curious. Yeah. Have I or have I not had to say to you before, do not walk out of that door wearing those Zubas? Uh, dra- dropping Arthur off at school at 7 in the morning, I'll wear whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> Outside of that, fair enough. Okay. And this Rules is, don't apply at this, 7 in the morning. This is, why the child is, this is why the child is going to be bullied later in life. Yeah, well, I'm actually kind of on Zim's side on that one. It's, uh, you're, you're, Zuba, it's, though, and slippers even. Yeah. I wore my twin Zuba. slippers to drop them off. They have a hole in the crotch. <laughs> oh. full pants. Yeah, oh. They can be sweatpants. Zubas have a hole in the crotch? His do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so we were so we were talking about fun plays to break. I do think part of this game hinged. Obviously, this game hinged on the failure to stop Montana State's quarterback. And is and you've mentioned the secondary issues that may have already been there, that were already there, that that were exposed. And uh, he has he he has a magical run, and uh, so a lot of this is on the Jack defense. I get it; they gave up 31 points, but to me, really, this is a back and forth game. It's 17, 17 at halftime. South Dakota State scored zero points in the second half. Zero. I always and I am going to make a Nebraska football reference. I, I I look back to one game in the Bo Pelini tenure that really hurt him, which was they had UCLA at home, and Nebraska was up like 21 to three, and they lose 38 to 21. 
and UCLA scored 35 unanswered points. And most people are just like, what a shitty defense. They scored 30. And I mean, like, uh-huh. part of scoring 35 unanswered points is there was at least five possessions in there where the offense didn't score. Right. They contribute to that right. manslaughter as well. Right. And uh, I thought, it, so I actually thought, it, I mean, the defense gave up 14 second half points after being tied at halftime. That's very reasonable. That's not terrible defense. That's You should be able to manage that and at least be able to equal that or come close. They didn't come close to moving the ball. And part of that, I thought that's that's not true. They had a a turnover in Montana State territory. I should say fourth uh, quarter. Turnover on downs. They they moved the ball into Montana State territory a couple times in the second half. Okay. Um, But, you know, yeah, they didn't score any points. And And, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, as I said at the top of the show, you know, they stopped the run. Uh, Pierre Strong had 94 yards in the game, which is okay, but you're hoping for 150 from him. Um, he had the 44-yard touchdown and then really didn't do anything else. And like I said, Isaiah Davis didn't do anything. I mean, he had 13 yards on nine carries. And that, I think, Montana State's defense deserves a lot of credit for because I'm certainly not going to sit here and say Isaiah Davis is better than Pierre Strong, who's about to get drafted in the okay. NFL. But there have been times where he's been the more explosive of the two. Yeah. And I'm watching this game thinking, I even was saying to Jason Hove a couple of times, like, Davis is going to break one. No one has ever completely stopped him like that before. No one has ever held him entirely in check, yeah. not had let him get loose even once. It was a surprise. He never got loose once. Yep. And he might not have been 100% because they're just – was not that explosion from him that you usually see. He looked hesitant. He just never was able to kind of, you know, he's a north and south guy, and he was just never able to to get going upfield. And Montana State deserves credit for that. Very surprising. But I will say, you get to the end of the third third quarter or so, Montana State has scored to go up 24-17 after South Dakota State has failed to score in the third, and that's fine. You can have scoreless quarters. Uh, but they were averaging five and a half yards a carry, almost five and a half yards a carry up till that point, and they begin a drive somewhere around the 30 or 40 yard line, and it is pass, pass, pass. I believe one of those passes was an interception. It was pass, pass, sack, interception, something like that. Um, you know, the, the announcers pointed it out, and I'm not saying these were uh, these were the cream of the crop announcers, but it was kind of like, what's what's going on? You're running the ball well. You're only down by seven. Why are you just starting to fire away? And it came back to burn them and haunt them because then Montana State picks up a great field and has a 14-point lead. And, by the way, that's SDSU's biggest deficit of the year. They're not used to having to pass themselves. Uh-huh. Now they have to pass and have to abandon uh-huh. the run. Um, I, just I don't thought, know. I'm not feeling you on this one. Okay, um, go ahead. I, I thought uh, I didn't have any problem with the play calling. Uh, like I said, it, it, you know, they couldn't get Isaiah Davis going. I mean, you say the average five yeah, yards to carry. Well, part of that is 44 yards on one play. I mean, that impacts the average. Fair, but you could um, also get that on another on another play the more you I run. I mean, they were losing. Once it, I mean, you're, you're right. They're By only down seven. one. It's not like they With have 15 minutes left in the game. It's not like they completely abandoned the run. They also continued trying that uh, screen game to Tucker Craft, which Montana State defended better than anyone has this mm-hmm. year. They really did a good job on that. Um, also, the offensive line, I thought, for the Jacks, didn't play awesome. They didn't suck by Fair. any means. Uh, but early in the game, you saw like they were moving them in the first quarter, the drive that ended up with no points. Then those two drives where they came back, and you mentioned answered so definitively after they had come up empty on that drive and looked to reestablish control. Uh, they couldn't continue that into the second half. And uh, Chris Oladokun was under constant pressure. And to be fair, that's the best pass rush in the FCS. You know, Daniel Hardy leads the nation in sacks, and he had two of them. I mean, I, again, I, I just thought the better team won on this game. You know, I mean, yes. would it have been different if it was in Brookings? Probably. Would the Jacks have won? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but this isn't, I don't think, one of those games where there's a whole lot of, you know, what might have been or, or what ifs. Like, that, that, you know, 
last spring, Sam Houston, that's a game where you're going to go, what might have been? Because if Mark Gronowski hadn't got hurt, right. uh, if it hadn't been a monsoon before the game and you were playing on a slip and slide the whole thing, you know, there's all sorts of, I think, what ifs or what might have beens in that one. I don't think the Jacks players are really going to look back at this and, and think about, you know, if we'd have called this player, if this had happened. I think it's just like, man, that sucks. We went up to Montana State and got our asses kicked. Yeah, they were a better, they were a better team that day. Maybe they were just playing are a better team. They've had with a magical run. Some, sometimes that happens to teams, and you have this mm-hmm. – I mean, it's Tommy Malott's story. That guy's never going to buy a drink in Bozeman again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, he's he's well, he's crafted a he's crafted iconic status for himself in three games, and he also can't drink yet, John. He's a child. Yes, thank you for that. Yes, <laughs> he will never. Uh, okay, he will never have to buy a drink in Bozeman. Period. <laughs> Um, but um, and that's you know you got you got you, you got you know washed aside by that. What were you in the midst of saying? Well, I was gonna say we got ten minutes, and I think we should spin this forward to what's next, because this is going to be an incredibly interesting off season for the Jacks. Jason Eck just left to be the offensive coordinator at Idaho. Will he take some assistance? Or I mean, the head coach at Idaho. I was gonna say OC. Uh, will he take any assistance with him? Will he take any players with him? Who's gonna enter the transfer portal? Someone is going to. It happens every year. Uh, this senior class that they're graduating, my God. I mean, I think a couple of them are going to stick around because of that COVID. You know, they do have the option for another year. A lot of that depends on if they want it. You have to enroll in school if you're going to keep playing football. Mm-hmm. Pierre Strong is entering the NFL draft. Uh, Aaron Johnson, their left tackle, is whether he's out of eligibility or up, he's done. Uh, Wes Janant, their center, one of the leaders of that team, has been a five-year starter. He's gone. Logan Backus is gone. Don Gardner's gone. Xavier Ward's gone. Um, I mean, there's uh, some of them are escaping me at the moment, but I mean, there's a ton of guys that are moving on. And then when you wonder what's the impact going to be of Jason Eck leaving, uh, not just as the offensive coordinator, which he's been very successful at, but the offensive line coach. You know, we talked so many times in prior years on your old show about what's the difference between SDSU and NDSU. What was my answer almost all the time? Offensive line, defensive line, offensive line. Offensive. Jason came in and brought the Jacks' offensive line to the same level of NDSU's, and that's why they became an elite team. If they, and actually surpassed him really in the last couple possibly, games possibly, last year's yeah. playoff game and this yeah. year's regular season game and then like I said who, who you know I think there's a lot of fair questions about what are things really like behind the scenes there you know how many players are there because of a, a certain coach uh, you know assistant coach we, we we always talk about how Stig is sort of a CEO how he coaches the coaches and I don't think any of us think that's a bad thing but what that also means is a lot of the players probably aren't necessarily loyal to John you know, they might be loyal to their position coach or their coordinator or whoever. You know, are there going to be players that are saying, like, well, if, if X leaving, maybe I want to follow him to Idaho or just go somewhere else. There's probably going to be other coaches that are going to leave, too. Brian Bergstrom, the co-defensive coordinator, I know for a fact that he's a guy that other schools are interested in. You know, Jimmy Rogers is considered the head coach in waiting, but Stig just signed an extension. Yeah. Is Jimmy going to go, well, fuck it, man. If you're going to be here till you're 70, and I'm not going to stick around it's forever. Basically what Aaron Eisenis did, right? Eric Eisenis, yeah. Eric, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... And, and, and again, this is a good thing, or at least it's a good reflection yeah. on SDSU that they're so successful that other programs want their coaches. Yep. But it, at some point it becomes a, geez, you're having to constantly restaff your staff all the time. Um, so I'm not predicting, you know, doom and gloom for SDSU, especially James Madison's leaving. Sam Houston's leaving. There aren't that many good teams left. Yeah. You know, you've got the Valley and uh, the Montana schools, and it seems like maybe that's about it. Yeah, and North Dakota State, who uh, – what are they going to do? You look at James Madison. They're going to leave eventually, but it's going to not anytime soon. Mm. So they're still going to be there. Yeah, well, and it goes back to this year too, and how how much of a lost opportunity this feels like. I mean, you kind of got legitimately beat by Montana State, but you 
part of that was because you had to go pl there and Absolutely. play them, and part of that was you had to play two different coasts on the road the week before, and part of that was you blew you blew it against Southern Illinois and USD, as you, you've mentioned. Yep. You're gonna it, give, give give you the clunker game against UNI. You're gonna lose once when you play in the Valley, right. almost um, all the time. My buddy Matt, the uh, Jacks Illustrated guy, I was reading his recap um, on Jack Illustrated the other day. And he had a great line where he said, the season didn't end when they lost to Montana State. It ended when they blew a 20 to nothing lead to Southern Illinois. Mm. And I think he's being a little dramatic there because That's obviously they were still in a position to get to Frisco on Saturday. And they'd be in better positions if they hadn't given up yeah, the last I mean, play against USD. Everything, everything changed that day. Yeah. And I think, you know, when Logan Backus and Wes Janan are sitting there in the post-game press conference talking about this season wasn't a success and something has to change and, you know, Without coming right out and say it, that's what they're referring to. You know, we have to find a way to not be eight and three, but ten and one or eleven and zero, yeah. because this was the best team in the country, probably personnel-wise, and they underachieved in the regular season. Now it's to their credit that they found a way to get their shit together or whatever you want to say in the playoffs yeah. and make this run. But it always kind of felt like, when's the other shoe going to drop? So you said they had better personnel than Montana State. I think they had better personnel yeah. than anyone in the country. Yeah, well, they proved it against North Dakota State. I, yeah. It was pretty obvious. And that's why you feel like if they could have beaten Montana State, they could have beaten North Dakota State in the championship game. and would have been no, hard to beat them twice in one year. And but no one would have been surprised if NDSU. Very, they didn't look great against James Madison. No, there. NDSU hasn't been looking great. That's the thing is they've yeah. been looking – you know, uh, very beatable or very vulnerable, and yet they're solid enough. And, of course, they get to play all these goddamn games care, at home. They take care yeah. of business. They don't shit yeah. themselves. Right. That's it. And so they're going to they, – they're probably – I don't know. Who do you think is going to win that national North title Coast game? State. I think they're going to yeah. win by double digits. They know how to do this. Well, also, they're going to have three weeks to prepare mm -hmm. for – the touchdown Tommy offense, which isn't that complicated. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's not a criticism of the Jacks coaches. It's different when you have one week to prepare and your team's been traveling every other week and you're you know, dealing yeah. with everything they're dealing with. NDSU hasn't been traveling for the last month, and now they have three weeks to prepare for this game. I think NDSU's going to win. Yeah, and uh, so it comes back to do we feel, just because of this one loss to Montana State, that this – that the – and I don't know when actually Justin Sell made the decision. It might have been a while ago, and they just decided to announce it at a time when things were looking great for the Jacks. They've at least made the Final Four, which is somewhat of a mile marker to clear to mm -hmm. consider your season at Four least years, adequate yeah. success. I mean, st I still feel like this is a great program. You, yeah, you've made the semifinals four out of five yeah, you're years. You're playing into late December. It, That's pretty good. It, it's yeah. yeah, it's still really hard to win national championships. I think we take for granted how easy or hard it is to win because of North Dakota State being able to do it so often, mm -hmm. and you go, why can't we do that fucking once? And I mm -hmm. get it. There should be a source of frustration there as a, as a Jackrabbit fan, and you've only gotten there once. Once, and that one time you were this close. I get, but still, to be this consistently a top four team, a top four program, and there has been some staff turnover in that time, is still, it's pretty clear he's done a hell of a job. And you should be very happy with, and I know they don't like this, happy with where you are as a program mm -hmm. to uh, get this opportunity every year to play for a national title. And yet I get also the hunger to be and strive for something better and go beyond. And so I do wonder, was, was it a little premature to give Stig this extension. I don't think so. It's not like Justin was waiting to see them make a run, yeah. I think, to do that. I think it might have been, does John want one? You know, uh, yeah. Did John know already that uh, Eck was leaving? You know, I think he probably did. I think some SDSU yeah. fans don't feel he deserves it. That You know this That's crowd. That's fair enough. But, but, but I think a lot of Jax fans think that Stig got, hired to this, or got signed to the extension and then Eck went, oh, well, then I'm out of here. No, it was probably the opposite. Eck was Eck was gone after this year. I mean, he's 
one of the most hot, hottest up and coming coaches in the country. Yep. Everyone knows about him. He's he's essentially a huge name in in college football circles already. He was gone. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe Bergie's gone too. Maybe Jimmy Rogers is looking around. I don't know. I'm to be clear. I'm not. I don't have any inside knowledge on most of that. Um, but if 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 Stig and Sell are going, oh, half of our staff is gone after this year. Then maybe it made more sense to say, well, let's lock Stig up for a couple more years for some stability because we're obviously going to have to find another potential successor for Stig if, if Jason Eck isn't going to stick around to be that guy. Yep. Because uh, Jason Eck's going to make a shitload of money at Idaho. That's a good program. It's in the big sky. It's not like when Stig retires, the Jacks will be able to call Eck and go, hey, we have an opening now. Do you want to come back? Eck's probably at that point going to be like, no, I'm good. Yep. Thanks anyway. Yep. So, uh, and by the way, in, in my opinion, I think you share it the same way. Stig does deserve this. He has earned this. And he should be able to, because he has proven to be able to, continue SDSU to be at this level, even if he's going to have to deal with a little more offseason adversity that you mentioned with all these players uh, than he usually does. I just kind of feel like, I, I'm not saying you're an idiot if you think John Stigmar should have been fired or time has passed him by, and you think there's somebody else out there who could be the head coach at South Dakota State and do, and do more right. with them and, and take no them No one is further. saying Stig's terrible and an yeah. idiot needs to go. But just saying, hey, maybe someone else could do better, that's a fair argument. Yeah, I mean, we don't know that, but you could say we the same thing right. about the Minnesota Vikings and Husker football, Scott Frost, well, or Iowa say, football, know, Kirk Ferentz. It's funny, here's an example where we can, you, I'll allow you to talk about your Huskers. I wasn't even planning on this. But I mean, like, this does feel a little bit like the Bo Pelini situation, minus the noise, all the all of Bo's off-field yeah. antics. It's kind of yeah. like, hey, geez, you know, 9-4 and four isn't enough. You know, okay, we're going to bowl games every year, we're competing in the Big Ten, but we're no longer an elite, and I realize SSU is an elite program, but yes. essentially they're saying... Bo's not going to take us to the next step. We need to get somebody out there who can help us get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that was a totally reasonable move to make at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone felt like Bo Pelini was untouchable. Yeah. But how has that worked out for them? They would it's, love to be back where they were when Bo was the coach. They've hi- I, I would. They've hired the wrong guys to just get him right. back there. But that's what I'm saying. That is the risk beyond. you take. Sure, it is. Yes. And do I wish Bo Pelini was still the head coach because maybe there was going to be a few more of those nine-win seasons? I don't. But it, for different those reasons. Were, right. That, right. Well, for, for, for reasons that he's a jackass and also the right. way they lost the games they did. They lost four games every year. And that and it was uh, it was it was almost as miserable to go through those four losses as it is to go through seven eight nine lost seasons. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah. It's, it doesn't feel that different to me. But anyway, um, I, understand, understand I understand. I understand. That that the next, whoever replaces, feel like replaces Stig might be the next Mike Riley, and then you're worse off. Yeah, more. but I feel like I understand. You might be feel like you're spinning your wheels, but I guess you should be somewhat grateful for what you have. I mean, um, I'd be surprised if. Well, I mean, I guess that's one way to spin it forward. Is it's really early, but to well, I mean, what should we expect this team to be next year? How good They'll it should be? They'll be a playoff be? team again. Yeah. Um, the question is, how many players or coaches leave need to be replaced to where? Okay, are you a seven and four, eight and three playoff team, or are you once again, you know, in the hunt for the national championship? And again, with some of the other blue bloods of FCS leaving, all it's going to take potentially is being an upper level Valley team to be in the discussion again. Okay, Jen, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts, Jen? She's ready to go. You're ready to pick up I'm Arthur. I'm sorry, we have to pick Arthur up. I, I, I know. I could talk for days. I'm sorry, John. Um, <laughs> we have to go pick up Arthur from school. Look at you. Look really at you. On you not picking your child up on time. It's what, a thing. What a mom. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll talk some. We'll start talking some Summit League hoops and uh, where the Vikings are headed in the future. Uh, next time. See ya. Merry Christmas. Merry. F- oh man. Yeah. Merry <laughs> Christmas. It is that too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there they go, Jen and Matt. Always a delightful occasion on a Tuesday afternoon. And, uh, man, 
It's too bad because uh, after we turned the mic off, I said goodbye to them. And then we talked for, of course, another few minutes. And we talked about Christmas Vacation and how we love that movie. Uh, Christmas Story is overrated. We did not get into the if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not discussion. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, we, we didn't talk about Christmas this time. But I think we'll have some Christmas stuff to talk about next week or the next time we reconvene and uh, how everything went. I, I, I got to tell you, this is what we were talking about beforehand is, uh, you know, Zim said he'd watch Christmas Vacation on a loop if he could multiple times when it uh, is available during the Christmas season for for consumption. Every year, I swear, I will uh, see advertisements for the movie. I will see people on social media talking about how they're watching it or can't wait to see it. And I will always kind of go, gosh, this movie has taken on such an iconic status. We're not quite at it's a wonderful life type of status as far as how... You know, people think it's a must-watch every every Christmas season, but um, it's getting there, right? Like it's it, and it's not even a cult classic. It's too mainstream to be a cult classic. Uh, and I always think I think people are overrating this just a bit. It was funny, but it wasn't it wasn't that funny. Come on, it's not gut ache funny. It's kind of PG rated funny. And then, but I always I'm like. I'm still going to watch it. I will watch it. Fine. And uh, Gilbert and I watched it a week ago Saturday night. And as always, and I always forget this, and then it happens, as always, I watch that first scene when, uh, you know, the the maniacal, uh, turbulent, uh, just easily mood-swung Clark Griswold goes from happy and merry and whistling Christmas tunes to becoming a fucking maniac uh, with a, a couple of hillbillies in a pickup tailgating him. And the depths you go to, uh, the short fuseness, it reminds me of my dad, the way he acted and the way he drove. It reminds me of me. It reminds my husband of, my, of me and therefore my dad and how I remind him of my dad and it pisses him off. And I just start cracking up every time and then the scene with the just they're in bed the subtle scene where they're laying in bed Clark and Ellen early in the movie with the sap on their hands from the tree after they after they put it, put it in the living room and uh, just you know his hand sticking into her hair and and their hands sticking on the magazines and the lamp and that's like that's artfully done comedy and it was awesome just the subtle like every scene has its little subtle comedic art to it and uh, it gets me every damn time. It is a classic, damn it. It is a classic. Um, I get tired of a Christmas story. Matt's influenced my opinion on that. It's a Werther's original commercial. It just is. Um, but for, And uh, it's been the last two or three years that I haven't watched it like I do every year. Um, but there are worse things. There's worse entertainment on than a Christmas story. I'll contend, I'll contend that as well. And uh, that's about it. That's about all we got for you. We didn't have any uh, Christmas material for you, but that's okay. Uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, we really do hope that uh, you enjoy this podcast. You get something out of it. Uh, it has become and mostly is a jackrabbit podcast because, frankly, that's where uh, a lot of our allegiances and our audience lies. We have noticed uh, when it's jackrabbit-related material as advertised in the in the headlining and 
promoting of each individual podcast. When it involves the Jackrabbits, it gets a it gets more listeners, frankly. And uh, at the same time, we get, we have other things to talk about. We entertain each other. We're two friends at a bar drinking beer, and um, while we do make the time every week to do it. Uh, both of us, especially Zim, but yes, even me, busy enough with other things and our professions in our lives that it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's a little work to get here and do this, but we do it because it's fun and we would probably do it anyway. So you might as well flip on a mic and have other people listen to it. We hope you get the same sort of joy uh, with whatever time you make to hear it as we do. And if Zim were right here right now, he would tell me to shut the fuck up. No one cares, but I think you do care. Uh, We appreciate you listening to make it worthwhile for us and uh, hope you have a Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year if we don't talk to you before the new year, but I think we will. So for Matt and Jen and uh, everyone here at the Gateway Lounge that makes us feel welcome and uh, helps us with this podcast, I'm John. Merry New Year. Happy Christmas. Say la vie. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Because <laughs> you know the wrong drinks? Yes. Yeah.